welcome to another episode of Not D&D, the show where we talk about tabletop RPGs that are not Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, not D&D is brought to you by EN Live, which is part of EN World, the leading tabletop news and review site. Uh, I'm Jessica Hancock, and with me today, I'm very, very excited. We have an excellent guest, Banana Shan. Please introduce yourself. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I am Banana. Uh, I am the owner and co-founder of a small box board game and RPG publishing company called Game in a Curry. And I also design and write and do all the things for uh, for other tabletop <laughs> role-playing games and uh, board games. So that's just a little bit about who I am. <laughs> a tiny snippet. Well, don't worry, we're going to get into it over the next hour. Um, so please, if you have questions, please type them in the comments uh, on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitch, and we will answer them here. Um, um, so, as always, I generally start by talking about your background with tabletop RPGs. Like, when did you start as a player? When was your first RPG session? Yeah, absolutely. So, the first time I ever played a tabletop role-playing game was uh, a session of D&D. I was in, mm -hmm. I think it was high school, um, and I did not enjoy it. Oh, okay. And... <laughs> great, great yeah, I was not having a great time. Uh, okay. And uh, I think I was more interested in, like, boys and alcohol at the time, uh, boys and girls and alcohol. <laughs> all the time so I just was not into it yeah. uh but fast forward like a few years later um I think it was right around in my like uh right after college I would say uh mm -hmm. during that time I started getting into board games um mm -hmm. I had always played video games so there was like this intersection yeah. between like you know video game communities and mm -hmm. board game communities uh especially in like convention settings right yeah definitely. and so yeah, so I started playing board games. Uh, I started getting into that, and alongside that, I started getting into LARPing as well. Yes, um, and love so LARPing as well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and so specifically, I got really into interested in um, American freeform LARP. Yeah. And I started writing uh, a few LARPs. Uh, we also started publishing board games at the same time as well. Um, and then uh, I guess that sort of like delved into RPGs, like tabletop role-playing role mm -hmm. games. Um, and I didn't officially start getting interested in like writing uh, tabletop role-playing games until after I started write, uh, playing Monster Hearts by Avery Alder. Oh yeah, yeah, very so, popular setting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's just like a, a snippet, I guess, of like yeah, all the things. Yeah, that's <laughs> That's pretty, really interesting because it sounds like you had a bit more of an unconventional route into the industry. That's probably why the games that you've done are a bit different. They're not just, you know, because your inspiration and reference points are kind of not the classic necessarily. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, I would say like I was never really interested in like, um, I mean, I am interested in like high fantasy, but not as interested in like other genres. So this is the perfect show for you then, not D&D, it's really your jam, <laughs> you're on the right Oh thing. yeah. <laughs> Excellent, okay, well talking about um, RPGs that you've done, you've, you've worked on lots of different RPGs, like last week we had um, Andrew Peregrine talking about Dune, and you also worked on that as well, could you tell us yep. a little bit about your involvement with that project? Yeah, so um, I would say what happened was I was at a convention. I think this is like PAX Unplugged or Gen Con. Mm -hmm. And uh, during that time, I met um, Chris from Modifius. And then I think later on, we started keeping, in, we just started chatting, right? Like over email. Mm -hmm. And he was like, hey, you know, we're doing some stuff for June. Would you be interested in like writing for it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I think during that time, I was also a little busier. So I think uh, I started off with like a small gig. I think um, it was just stuff for the GM screen. Mm -hmm. And so that uh, evolved into writing more stuff for the core book, uh, specifically on like help you know writing out NPCs, like, you know, was it like uh, to create your own NPC, that kind of thing. 
And uh, that sort of coincided with the same time as uh, when I was writing for John Shipple and the Banquet Hall. So that was like when I was yes. designing it. Um, and so I couldn't take on like too much work for it because I also had a Kickstarter to manage. Yeah. And that Kickstarter did really well, didn't it as well? That was, Thank yeah. You. I mean, yeah. Do you, do you want to, for those that don't know about that project, could you want to share some information and a brief yeah. summary? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, Junction Blonde the Banquet Hall was mm -hmm. uh, co-designed by myself and Sen Phong Lim. Mm -hmm. um, and basically the game is about uh, you are a family of Chinese American or Chinese Canadian um, uh, family just like running a restaurant, right? So you're running a restaurant in the 1920s and mm -hmm. uh, things are very hard and, you know, pretty difficult because of uh, oppression of the time and also, mm -hmm. you know, all the other things that come with like living in the 1920s and running a small business. Mm -hmm. And so in the daytime, you're faced with like all these real life uh, problems, but then at night, yeah. hopping vampires, uh, Joshua, they come out and attack everyone. So you have to make sure your restaurant is in check. Uh, the Joshua don't like destroy your family and uh, your customer base is still alive. Amazing. I love the concept of that. I think it's something really really different. I remember we talked, I think it was on Morris's podcast, we talked about it when it came out at the time, we covered it on there. Um, I yeah, I love the idea of the way that every day meets the supernatural in that because like, I think you could just role play the first half and have a really fun game without any of the supernatural elements if you wanted uh, as well, because I think that's such an interesting time and setting as well. Thank you. Um, yeah. And other board game projects you have uh, that you've worked on, I don't I think there's some people I see in the comments here. So if you have any questions about any specific games or role playing games that you've seen uh, Banana work on, please put in the comments and we can uh, ask some questions and dig into that on there. So would you say that was your which is your favorite kind of project you worked on? Because I know also I want to talk to you about Questlings a little oh. bit as well. Um, it's hard to pick a favorite. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I would say that like Junch is definitely one of the ones that we spent the most time and energy mm -hmm. on. Um, mostly because we wanted to get everything right. Um, you know, we wanted mm -hmm. to get uh, our experiences right, but we also wanted to get like uh, other Asian uh, American, uh, Asian Canadian experiences correctly. So we hired on a lot yeah. of people. Uh, to work with us, uh, both in terms of like sensitivity consulting and also historical sure. consulting and making sure that like mm -hmm. we get everything correct. Um, and so we had a lot of people working with us on that. Awesome. I don't, um, I'm not sure there are as many Asian American setting RPGs that I know about. Like is, is, is it this, this isn't the only one, surely there must be other ones or is it? Yeah, I think there yeah. are a few. Um, for sure, like uh, on itch, like I'm sure you're going to be able oh, yeah. to find like tons mm -hmm. and tons of um, mm -hmm. of you know smaller RPGs or even bigger RPGs that people have written. Um, I would say that like um, Ross Chung recently put out, and I say recently, it's been like three years, maybe three or four years, <laughs> uh, but he wrote a lot for. Yeah. yeah, I know. I can't like I can't even <laughs> believe it with the pandemic, but yeah. Um, you wrote a um, a LARP where uh, you're supposed to play it around like a dim sum setting. So you're like eating dim sum okay. uh, in real life and you're also like playing this uh, this game. So mm -hmm. yeah, you could definitely that find that through awesome. Itch. I'll definitely have a look for that. I think I do love LARP. I've missed it so much in the pandemic because I think that's been the thing that some LARPs just don't do well online. Like role-playing games, there's so many you can you can play online, do something like this, and it, it works fine. But LARP is the thing I'm missing very much. I have my first one coming back in May. So that. what um, LARP is it? <laughs> um oh it's it's based on a hack of betrayals and betrothals. 
So Ooh, it's like a Regency okay. setting. So you're all going to a dinner party and you're going to, um, so the women are there, very, you have various different agendas, but some of them are like, oh, I need to get married because my father's thrown away all the money or, you know, it's Ooh. Regency. Think Bridgerton yeah. is what I'm, yeah. So and I get to wear a dress. So I'm very excited about that. That's but so fun. people haven't come here to listen to me. They've come here to talk <laughs> to you and hear what you have to say. So I'm going to move us on. Do you have any LARPs coming up at the moment or are you still waiting to book a bit later in the future oh gosh um so yeah so like a lot of the LARPs that I do are mostly like because they're American freeform you can just like mm -hmm. do them at home right like they're not oh, um they're not too intensive in terms of like costuming or travel mm -hmm. or anything like that uh, which is one of the reasons why I really enjoy it and I really it's got really into it yeah yeah it's super accessible and they're short um but I would like to eventually go to another Nordic LARP. Like I would really just yes. love to do one, right? Um, I did one before the pandemic happened, like in 2019, 2018, 2019. <laughs> um, that was Baphomet and that was, uh, that was great. So yes. Yeah, those big Nordic LARPs seem really great. And um, there was one I saw, I can't remember what it's called now, but it was done on a pirate ship and they actually rent like a yes. ship. I can't remember what it's called in the comments because it's the internet. Someone will correct me. If you know the one I'm talking about, put put it in the comments there because that one seemed amazing. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. I really want to go to that. I think that's the one that Momo O'Brien was on, right? Like I saw her do Maybe. a video about it and I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. <laughs> They've done a few runs of it, but it just looked so amazing. And everyone went to town with the costumes and it just, it looked like an, an, an awesome kind of setting with that. Um, so cool. So uh, talking, going back to RPGs away from LARP, <laughs> uh questlings as well um so i wanted to talk to you about that because you um involved that project um and so if you had to give an elevator pitch if nobody's heard of questlings yes. how would you how would you describe it yeah so questlings is a children's rpg uh it's designed specifically for kids and their parents or kids and their older sibling um mm -hmm. and basically you are playing kids who have challenges uh so that could be something like uh trying to you know go to a soccer tournament uh, or trying to uh, score, you know, score a good grade for a, a class project. Uh, whatever it is, um, these kids have challenges and to overcome those challenges, they have to um, call upon their inner hero. And when they call upon their inner hero, the game sort of turns into like this fantasy setting. So you're sort of like make-believing within a make-believe setting. Yeah. Um, and you're playing with uh, with this map and it has a storybook. So if you're a first time GM, you just read it through. Um, and it's just like a step-by-step -step guide. Like basically, if you don't know what you're doing, just read the book and uh, you'll be able to figure it out really quickly. That's awesome. We love a low barrier for entry uh, for, for games like that. I, I really like the look of this because I hear so many people, I think um, role-playing games, loads of people that play them are now like, in their 20s 30s 40s and they have kids now and so their kids see them playing they're like we want to get involved but sometimes maybe you have a theme that's you know not like going to be suitable for your six seven year old to get involved with uh right. but the game like this having products that exist specifically for that age group i think is really great because it's bringing up the younger generation of role players for sure yeah absolutely um, i co-designed it with uh tim divine and mm -hmm. uh tim actually we managed to test it with his kids and they oh, had right. a really great time and uh, we made sure that we have like uh, safety slash calibration tools on the mm -hmm. actual sheets themselves and everything was like very visual right like we depend a lot mm -hmm. 
a lot on like the visuals so that, that way the kids don't feel um, left out or they don't mm -hmm. feel like unheard. So we made sure that we had like, you know, proper calibration tools specifically designed yeah. for them. Playtesting with kids then must be a bit harsh at times because kids don't lie or hold back if they don't like something, right? <laughs> Did you get any not. really feedback? Did you get any feedback that was like, I just don't like this? Oh no, they were all great. They, they were, okay. yeah, they loved it. I mean, I, I, I'm going to say that it was all Tim because Tim, uh, he did a great job just like GMing and uh, playing with the kids. So honestly, like, I, I think we just had a great group um, and the kids were just great. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I think, you, you know, it's a good game then because kids, like, kids don't pull punches, they don't lie. Like, the other week I went downstairs and my niece saw me and she's like, oh, Auntie Jessie, you look terrible. Like, oh. <laughs> kids don't lie to you. <laughs> so if you get a compliment, you know it's real. Uh, so the Questlings must be a pretty good game if, if it's kid approved then, for sure. I hope um, so, yeah. So you mentioned briefly before as well, as well as... Um, as well as role-playing games, you're known for uh, board games as well. Could you mm -hmm. talk us through some of the games you've done and and that sort of world of your career as well? Yeah, absolutely. So um, for board games, I've done haunt, haunt writing uh, for uh, both Scooby-Doo Betrayal at Mystery Mansion. I always have to like yes. remember what the name is because I'm just like, it's Betrayal, but what's the rest of the name? Uh, yeah. Betrayal at Mystery Mansion. And I also did haunt writing for uh, the latest Betrayal, third edition. Yes. Um, and, uh, some other stuff that I've done in the past is just like publishing, right? Like, so I've published other, uh, friends games, uh, through mm -hmm. board game, my board gaming company, um, Game in a Curry. And, uh, I think I can talk about this, but I'm just going to say it. So right now okay, we're live. Go for it. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, so I just worked on uh, guardians of ammonia. That's, just, that's through crit uh, critical role. So oh, that's wow. uh, Yansu Davis. Uh, yeah, sorry, Yansu Kim and I. We worked on um, we worked on that game, and we're also currently working on a Chucky game um, through Trick or Treat Studios with Eric Lawson. Wow, Child's well, Play. I, I call it Chucky, yeah, but it's Child's, Child's Play. Yes, yeah. Chucky Child's Play. Yeah, I figured it was that one. <laughs> Yeah. Hope maybe that's an exclusive here on Not D&D, so we shall find out <laughs> if you're allowed to go. That's really awesome. How did you get involved with those projects? Were you, were you approached or was it just like networking at conventions like with June or? Yeah, so we were approached for both. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, with, uh, you know, with Darrington Press, they're great. Um, we're yeah. friends with Ivan, uh, Ivan Van Norman. He came up to us and he was just like, hey, would you be interested in working on a thing? Um and we were just like, yeah, absolutely. Like, we'd be happy mm -hmm. to like work on something with you. And it turns out it was Guardians of Matrimonia. So we did development for that. We did design work for that. Um, he initially came to us with a concept that was a card mm -hmm. game. And uh, from there, we just sort of developed it into something mm -hmm. that's more of a board game. Uh, it's a little bit more finicky than like the just the card game that had like take that elements. But I think that mm -hmm. this was... Um, this is a more strategic version of like what we were presented with initially. Okay. Um, and then with Child's Play, uh, I started uh, getting into contact with um, Chris. Chris was Chris is the CEO of Trick or Treat Studios. Mm -hmm. And I met him through Andy, who is the uh, project manager. So he's our project manager. And uh, we started chatting and we just pitched him some ideas. And he was like, yeah, go for it. Let's do this thing. And so 
that's basically how that's great. happened. Yeah. No, no, that's cool. I mean, sometimes you get a really cool story of how things work. And sometimes it's like, yeah, they just said they wanted to work with us and we did something, they liked it, so we made it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really exciting to have that. Can you tell us a little bit more about the games or is it still... It's still a little... That's yeah, fun. we're still no a little hush-hush about it, but once, you know, things uh, clear up, then we can talk about it a bit more. No worries, that's fine. I won't push on that then if it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> if that's coming out on there. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned before, if you just joined, a couple of people jumped in. So I'm here with Bananchan. We're talking about Deimos Academy in a bit, but at the moment we're just talking about their background in uh, RPGs and in board games. So if you have any questions, put them in the comments and we can ask them away here. So please do not be shy, ask your questions for us. Um, so a lot of people... Um, look at your career and they'll be like wow that is the dream job uh, you know they're just there making games doing tabletop rpgs how did you how did you get to be in the industry like what was your your path into into doing that it's a very long process i'm not gonna lie it's not yeah. like you know an overnight thing um so i went to art school um mm -hmm. i went to nyu to study specifically um video art and uh, cinema okay. studies and then from there um i just had no idea what i was doing uh, with my life. Um, I, you know, had a couple of jobs. I mean, I still have uh, a day job, but basically now I'm doing a lot more design work. Yeah. And so uh, with the hopes that eventually I'll do it full time. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, it looks like it's very glamorous on, you know, Twitter or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but it's just because I only announce like my wins, right? Like I don't want to announce yeah. like all the boring parts like, oh, today I'm typing up 4,000 words for this thing. Yeah. How exciting is that? Like not very exciting. Yeah, no, I hear you it's, as well. I think working in publishing sometimes as well, it's like today I went through several thousand lines of Excel set spreadsheet data, looking at different addresses and checking they were lined up properly. Yeah, reformatting exactly. for the distribution center. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, it's just like, you know, that kind of boring stuff, I just like don't mm -hmm. talk about as much. Um, but in terms of like getting to um, design and stuff, I would say that like, initially, it started off as just like writing for scenarios, um, meeting mm -hmm. a lot of people at conventions, playing a bunch of games. Um, and then eventually just like, deciding that I want to do my own thing. So yeah. uh, I would say that Junction is actually officially like my first big game. Um, everything else mm -hmm. has just been like, uh, you know, LARPs that I've written, small LARPs that I want to keep to myself or like, you know, show at a convention, but not, you know, really publish. Yeah. Um, and like everything else is just like scenario writing or like, you know, small world building stuff for like other companies or other projects. Uh, but it wasn't until like I started writing Joshua with Senfal Lim. That was when I was just like, okay, let's like, let's make a game. Let's like do a full thing. Yeah. Um, and from there, it's just been like designing stuff, right? It's just sort of been snowballing into like bigger projects. Yeah. I think that's what happens. Everyone I've spoken to, they're like, you get kind of one thing and then it just, people kind of notice and be like, oh, they're a person that does this and I'll hire them to do this. And it just kind of snowballs, but it's just getting that initial kind of foot in the door type thing is, is kind of the hard bit. Do you have any advice for people that are in that place where they're like, I want to kind of do this, but I'm not, I'm not able to just get my foot in the door and get started with those bits and pieces? Yeah, I think that we put a lot of emphasis on networking and don't get me mm -hmm. wrong, like, I think that networking is great. Um, but if you don't have anything to show for it, then it's just like, you know, if you don't have any like work to show to the mm -hmm. people that you're networking with, um, it's less likely that they'll be like, oh, I'm going to probably hire you for this thing. So sure. I would say that like, definitely just create a bunch of stuff like um yeah. especially with Joshua, like we just 
we just decided that we wanted to do a thing, right? Like San and I, we just like wanted to make a thing. We weren't going to pitch it to a publisher until like later on, uh, until we were like ready to pitch it to something. We didn't really have like, um, like a long-term goal or a long-term plan in terms of like mm -hmm. publishing. We just wanted to make something. Um, and so like, while it's good to have that long-term goal in mind, I would say that it's also good to have like lots of stuff, you know, in your portfolio. Mm -hmm. And so that, that way, like if you have a lot of stuff in your portfolio, you can always just like show it to people and be like, Hey, this is like a sample of my work. This is like yeah. all the stuff that I've done. Also, like, you know, I'm going to be posting about this on Twitter and I'm going to be promoting my work. Um, so like, I think that some of it, I would say like 50%, 60% of it has, you know, to do with just like making stuff on your mm -hmm. own terms and not worrying yeah. so much about like finding a gig until, um, until you're ready. Right. Like you could mm -hmm. always put yourself on social media, always say like, you know, Hey, you know, I want to find a, a gig in writing. Um, but you know, occasionally those things don't always come through. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of it has to depend on like, you know, you putting stuff onto itch or, and yeah. it could be like a small thing, right? It could just be like a two page RPG or like a three page RPG. It doesn't have to be yeah. anything massive. Um, just as long as like, you know, people have this impression of you like that you make games, like, yeah. you know, changing your profile on social media to like, Hey, I make games or I'm a game yeah. designer or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that people like start reaching out to you. That's I, I feel like that's sort of like yeah. a few ways of doing it. No, definitely. I'd 100%. Uh, yeah, definitely agree as well. And like you say, having something, even if it's just something you've written yourself. And there's so many ways that have made it easy to, well, easier. Sorry, I'm not going to say easy because mm -hmm. that's, we're about to talk about Kickstarter and it's not, not easy. <laughs> yeah. So it made it easier. So things like Kickstarter or even Drive Through RPG, just putting your adventure on there, it's, it's out there. People can see it. Um, so I 100% agree. And that segues us nicely into Kickstarter. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to put this up on the screen. Uh, so I'm getting to the meat of what we're here to talk about. We've had a couple more people join. So hello, please come and ask uh, any questions that you ha might have. Uh, pop them in the comments. I can pop them up on the stream. Uh, just for example, like this lovely person here who's able to catch it live. Please ask your questions. We'll be happy to answer them. Um, but what we're here to talk about is Deimos, Deimos Academy. Did I say that right? Yes, talk yes. Yeah, that's pretty simple. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here to talk about uh, Deimos Academy. So it's Kickstarter that is live currently now. I'll put the link in the comments uh, here. So if you want to go check it out and back it, you can. As you can see, it's fully funded. So no matter what, it's going to be happening. But there's some awesome stretch goals, which we'll get into and uh, talk about. Um, but yeah, so do you want to give us, obviously we can see on the screen lots of lovely stuff going on, but do you want to give us the the pitch for, so what is Deimos Academy about? Yes, so uh, Deimos Academy is about a bunch of adults returning back to their creepy old boarding school and uh, they're there for a reunion and mm -hmm. they get there and they realize that no one else is there and they have to go through different rooms in order to find people or figure out what's going on. And as they do, they uncover fears and memories. Um, and eventually those fears manifest themselves in uh, weird and creepy ways. Uh, the game comes in a coloring book with paper dolls. And uh, if you have never painted minis before, this might be a gateway into painting <laughs> miniatures. Um, yeah. yeah, and uh, it is GM-less. It is a horror game. Um, and it is very much player-driven. 
It sounds so interesting. I love the element you say about because it involves a coloring book and coloring in, mm-hmm. um, and that was what really grabbed my attention because I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I've seen that like done, done kind of before. What was the inspiration behind that that mechanic in the game? Yeah. So uh, initially, what we wanted to do was um, we wanted to make like a game based on the Nutshell Studies by Francis Glesner Lee, who is a uh, who was this heiress who just had lots of free time and money and made a whole bunch of doll houses depicting murder scenes. And so these okay. murder scenes, yeah, they're <laughs> honestly like very intricate. <laughs> and so um, these doll houses, uh, they actually were so intricate that um, I think for a while the FBI was using them as training tools. Uh, but now they're like used in, um, in, oh, wow. They have their own like galleries and stuff, right? They they have like a revolving show, I think, uh, across the U.S. Um, and so, I wanted to make something that was like similar to that. So, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to make like a haunted house game. Hence, yeah. you know, why I got uh, hired on for betrayal as well. So that's like a side yeah. thing. But like, mm-hmm. um, anyway, that's like, I genre, went, yeah. yeah, apparently, <laughs> like, I do a lot of this stuff. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, I wanted to make like an RPG based out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we were doing paper crafting, uh, I was chatting with Amanda Call, who's the illustrator. And uh, mm-hmm. now I would say that she does like co-design with us because like you have to design yeah. like the dolls. You have to design like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the character sheets and all that stuff. Right. So uh, and she's been doing so much playtesting and development with us. So um, along the way, we were talking about like, you know, how are we going to integrate this into a game? Like, how are we going to do this? Uh, at first, we try to make people make actual dollhouses out of paper uh that didn't work out so well because (laughs) paper crafting takes a lot of time and energy Mm -hmm. um and this was like pre-pandemic right so we were like uh play testing this it just took a long time and it just was it felt like inaccessible Mm -hmm. and so we pivoted a little bit and we were just like okay why don't we do a coloring book why don't we have paper dolls why don't we have like you know uh we were always going to have paper dolls but like uh we were going to make them like easier to to manage and easier for people to cut out and copy Mm -hmm. um and like you know color in and so um we changed from we switched from like the theme of having like a um a haunted house to something Mm -hmm. that was like um a little bit more personal for me. So I went to boarding school and uh, okay. I did not have a good time. Um, <laughs> that cracks with, yeah, okay. Yeah. And so like um, we ended up like going with that theme and mm-hmm. uh, playing around with the idea of like memories and like fears and what does it mean to like forget a lot of things that had happened in your childhood? What does it mean to like remember those things as an adult? Um, during this time, we also hired, uh, we also tagged in, uh, Austin Taylor. And so mm-hmm. Austin and I, because Austin has a training, uh, slash background in therapy, uh, they were great in terms of like, when we were interviewing folks, mm-hmm. we were talking to other people and trying to get their perspective into the actual game because mm-hmm. we interviewed a lot of people from, uh, who also had boarding school backgrounds. So it wasn't just like my voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we yeah. wanted to talk to other people about it. And so uh, we went back and forth on design. Uh, mm-hmm. And after a lot of development and playtesting, like it's where it's at now. So very excited for it. That's so interesting. Yeah, I was going to ask about the the theme and the background, but you, you kind of 
wrap that into it which is great as well i did think theme appealed to me a bit as well because i also went to boarding school so if you can't tell by the accent (laughs) everyone in the uk is like yeah we know jess we can tell (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so it's super interesting so i'm interested from that um perspective seeing it as well like for me i i did have a good time (laughs) so it was okay but i appreciate why um how it'd be interesting to see the other side of it and how that could could not be so great and the aspect of memories as well because I've I've never actually gone back to my school to to visit I've not they've done school reunions but I just I just haven't gone for whatever reason but I imagine that would be a weird thing to do especially if you have like and the setting um as I'll I'll just put on the screen it is like an an old building which has that haunted house theme and as we all know the audience says haunted house games rock mm-hmm. as they're commenting yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so what so to, uh, so when you're designing the the school and the house would that be giving too much i guess that might be giving too much away in the game if we talk about oh no the design or, no? no okay absolutely. Yeah. yeah well i was gonna say so what what were your references for the design of it was it from your like your boarding school or was it did you just try and go for like the most haunted creepy thing you could imagine or or yeah yeah, so um, there are several rooms in the. Uh, now I've got to watch what I say because, like, I might spoil something as well. Actually, it doesn't matter. Well, that's why. Uh, yeah. so <laughs> I, like, I don't. I don't uh, want to ask a question. It's going to give anything away. But yeah, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Um, honestly, like we. Um, when we were talking about this, we were like making up the different rooms. Um, yeah. I gave Amanda a list of all the rooms that um, that I remember from mm-hmm. uh, from the school that I went to, uh, and she did a fantastic job of just like putting them together. So the the coloring book aspect comes into play when uh, you're going through these different rooms because you're coloring in the rooms themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're also coloring in your paper dolls, uh, but the mechanics happen when uh, you roll your dice, right? So when you roll your dice, uh, your 1d6, um, if you roll well, then you get to color in the item that you collect from that room. Uh, if you don't color, if you don't roll too well, like a three to four, um, then you get to color in like something in the room that's not the item, but something that represents mm-hmm. your fear manifesting or like something creepy manifesting in the room itself. Yeah. Um, if you fail the roll altogether, then you uh, basically tear the top card of a memory deck that you've created beforehand uh, with okay. the other players. Um, and you just try to, um, you basically have like a role playing scene with the other players and have like a, a sort of like an antagonistic role in the scene. Um, and you also take a, a piece of the school uniform. So once you've collected both pieces of the school uniform, you become consumed by the school. And then uh, there's a sort of like traitor mechanic at the very end where you're basically trying to draw the players, trying to draw the other yeah. uh, PCs back into the school while they're trying to escape it. So there, at the very end, there's like basically this maze that's made up of like the fears that um, that you all have. And uh, you're trying to get through it by rolling your dice. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of like one of those um, those like mazes that you draw on, like on placemats, like when you go to a restaurant. It's got, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> but creepy. <laughs> but creepy, yeah. But not, but not playful. I'm like, yay. <laughs> no, no, no. There's like different I... prompts where you like land mm-hmm. on. So like if you pass a prompt or if you land on a specific prompt, it'll ask you a question. Like, um, uh, and it's like always something creepy where it's like, you know, what were hidden beneath the floorboards of your room or, you know, what did you see happen uh, the night, you know, the night you snuck out uh, next to a chapel or something like that. Okay. 
That's really interesting to hear like the more mechanical side of it. So when you when you start playing the game, so let's say you, you backed it on Kickstarter, obviously, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you? Links in the comments for everyone to have a look at. When you when you receive your game, what what will you have there and how will you get started? Because you said it's a GMless game, so you can mm -hmm. presumably all just sit around the table with your friends and, and get started without having to do loads of prep, I assume. Yeah, absolutely. So there are two books. So the first book is the coloring book. Um, the coloring book comes with the paper dolls, the character sheets, um, all the different rooms, uh, and uh, just like a whole lot of stuff, right? So everything that you need to play is basically in the coloring book, and you just tear it out and just like refer to it when you need to. Um, there's also a rule book. So the rule book goes into, you know, more detail, basically, like, you know, if this thing happens, sure. then just follow this. Mm -hmm. um, and it also comes with coloring pencils, a bookmark, and one other thing. I don't remember what is off the top of my head. Um, but if I pull it up right now, yeah. I'll be able to yeah. remember what I was about it is. Someone in the comments, go on the page and find out, find out what it is that they've missed and comment there. Oh. The internet loves to correct people. Yes, it's a deck of cards. <laughs> so it's a deck of oh, cards. <laughs> Uh, where you basically write up your uh, good memories, your bad memories, and your scary memories. So it's a collaborative experience trying to write these memories out um, yeah. before shuffling them up. And then, you know, whoever draws the top card will remember the thing or destroy the thing. Awesome. So how, how, do, you, how do you get started, like, in terms of, yeah, how, how do you, like, mechanically, how does the game start? Do you have, like, blank sheet characters, or do you describe them beforehand and set them up, or are they... Yeah. Uh, so you have blank sheet characters. And uh, so what you're going to be doing is you're going to be choosing a paper doll to represent your mm -hmm. character. Um, mm -hmm. And you're also going to be choosing a character sheet. So the characters mm -hmm. all have supernatural abilities. Each one has like, you know, um, a weird ability. One of them could be like an astral traveler. We called that you know, for astral projection. We thought that was like a cool name, astral traveler. Um, you could be like, um, yeah, you could be like a... Um, a uh, telekinetic or like maybe you're a telepath or something like that. And so after choosing your character, uh, you just like go through, you know, the questions that we have on the character sheet, uh, you fill everything out and then you go through relationship building. Um, mm -hmm. But before all of that happens, you actually receive yeah. a letter uh, from the school and okay. you have to fill out the stuff on the letter. And so this is sort of like getting you immersed already into the yeah. setting. Um, and uh, on the letter, it just asks you some basic questions, right? Like, uh, you're invited to, you know, Damos Academy. It's located at blank. So you decide mm -hmm. where it's located at. Um, you're going to be going there at, you know, the date. So you're going to be filling out, you know, what day of the year you're, uh, what time of the year you're going there. So like, mm -hmm. if it's December, it might be snowing. Um, yeah. If it's like, you know, October, maybe it's like spooky season. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you're going to also be like writing out, like, what's, what is the reasoning for you to go back? Right. Like, why are you going to this reunion? Um, and so we have like a few different ad libs on the actual mm -hmm. sheet itself so that you could fill it out. Um, and then don't go into character creation, relationship creation. Um, and then after that, you just sort of set the scene where you're just like at the gate of the school gates of the school mm -hmm. and you choose a room to go to and the game starts from there. Amazing. That all makes perfect sense. It sounds, yes, it sounds like something that's really not, you don't have to spend a lot of time prepping or getting ready for. So mm -hmm. almost in a way it could be quite friendly if people haven't played role-playing games before. Is that, would you say that's the case? Yeah, definitely. Like I, I think that we took a lot of inspiration from Avery Alder's work. Like I think she's phenomenal. Um, she did a quiet year and that was just like, yes, 
low prep, um, very cool. Just like it just runs you through the game, right? So we took inspiration yeah. from from her game, um, and I think that like uh, just having everything laid out in front of you is just like so much simpler than just you know flipping mm -hmm. through a rule book and trying to figure yeah. out what's going on. Definitely. And it's, it's less intimidating them for people as well, because I think if, if you can just like kind of turn up at your friend's house for a games night and do this instead of having to, you're going to have to read this rule book and get the handbook and do your character, you know, it's it yeah. definitely, I think it makes it more accessible. And I think it's a theme that is, like you say, it's not like a fantasy theme, whereas if that's not your vibe, this can kind of draw you into it. I think we all know what boarding schools are, even if we've not been mm -hmm. to them, you have an idea of it, you know. Maybe if you've yeah. read Harry Potter or something, I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm moving on to the naming of the game. So we've had a kind of question, a statement from somebody more saying about they really like the naming of the game. They were going to ask oh, about you. why it was called that. But Deimos, they said, is the god of dread or terror in Greek mythology. So that's obviously why you named it that. So they yes. said great naming. Did you, consider, you. <laughs> did you consider any other names for it? Did you go through any different iterations for the oh, account called? We have a whole list. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, um, yeah, it was, it took us quite a while to, to try and figure out a name. Uh, it was initially called Phobos Academy, but then we looked it up and there's a Doctor Who thing where they have a Phobos mm -hmm. Academy. So we were just like, we can't use that. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> so, fair enough. Yeah, so we went with Deimos, um, which isn't terrible. I mean, it's still cool, right? Uh, I mean, you got compliments here. Great, great naming <laughs> stuff there. So yes, all aboard for it on there. Thanks. So is, is um, are there any Greek mythology links in the game or is, is that just because it's just such a classic boarding school kind of thing to, to choose with the name it was mostly for the classic um you know that classic yeah. vibe uh yeah. we are thinking about doing a demos llc so i don't know if you've oh, seen okay. the movie the tv series severance i haven't but i have heard of it so i'm aware of yeah it's so good <laughs> okay. um and it also deals with similar <laughs> themes where it's just like you know you have your uh in the show itself you have like your innie and your audi so your audi is like the the um, the character that just like does things, right? Like that just like goes out into the world, into the real world and like, you know, um, made sure that you got this job at this creepy company. And your innie is the 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 character that is, um, that's still you, but you are trapped in the company and you just like work there. And when you leave your job, you just like don't remember anything yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, from, you know, you're just literally leaving it behind you. Yeah. Um, and so we were thinking about doing something similar with uh, with Deimos, uh, mm -hmm. using the same mechanics that we have for Deimos Academy and um, retheming it to like an office setting. Yeah. Because we've been seeing like a lot of horror around like back rooms mm -hmm. um, and like, you know, other creepypasta type of stuff where it's just like, oh, yeah, offices are terrifying and they're definitely like liminal spaces. Yeah, definitely. Um, you kind of answered a question someone was just asking here. They were going to say, do you have longer term plans to support Demos <laughs> Academy beyond the Kickstarter? And it sounds like, yes, <laughs> yes, there is. We're hoping. Yeah. If this does well, then yes, we'll we'll definitely have like a Demos LLC or a Demos Co or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And would that be another Kickstarter as well? Would that be the... We're probably going to try with uh, GameFound. Um, okay. or Indiegogo. So yeah, crowdfunding. Another crowdfunding, sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, most likely crowdfunding. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So yes, I hope that answers your question there. They, they will be, there will be more. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really cool idea about the office thing, okay? Because I think offices are inherently creepy, especially corporations now as well. Everyone loves mm -hmm. stories about 
Disney doing something weird and stuff. Of course, I'd never say anything bad about the Disney Corporation <laughs> on the internet. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like people <laughs> right. love the stories that something is weird happening and, you know, being in late stage capitalism, it's a, it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So, so yeah, so beyond, uh, so the Kickstarter is live for this now. So people, if yes. you're in the U S you can get the physical copies. If you're around the world, uh, like I, you can get the PDF so you can get the print and play version. Will you be going to any conventions or anything in the next year or so? So if people wanted to grab a copies then, um, we are going to be at PAX Unplugged. Uh, we're probably going to have a booth there. Um, given the situation with the world, I'm hesitant <laughs> to say that we're going to have copies there, um, but we're definitely going to cool. have the PDF up on DriveThruRPG. Like we're mm-hmm. very close to just like having this uh, done and edited and, you know, mm-hmm. sent to layout. Like, honestly, we're so close. It's it's unbelievable um, at how fast we're finally getting this game out there because <laughs> it took us a long time for development, but I think we're how, finally at yeah. a stage where we're how just long like, was in development? Because you you mentioned earlier, like pre-pandemic, you were playtesting. So yes. how so that was a while ago before the yeah. plague. <laughs> so yeah. how long has it been going on? Uh, so twenty nineteen. I think that was the year so, before the plague. <laughs> yes, yes, it was like yeah. around. Uh, I think it was around the beginning of 2019 um Mm -hmm. that was when like we started playing around with like the the actual paper crafting of like the doll houses Mm -hmm. um which ultimately did not work Uh, (laughs) but that's why you that's why you try things exactly exactly fail fast (laughs) okay so it's like good three years almost then in, in like preparing this so getting the kickstarter app must have been whole moment what's it been like running a kickstarter because i know a lot of people that have ideas for games like we mentioned earlier if you can't like sell it to somebody doing it yourself self-publishing is kind of the way forward so how's the kickstarter process been for this and also um you know for zhang Shi and things like that as well yeah um i think right now just because like things are so weird um it's been like a stranger (laughs) time uh so it's like hard to predict like you know what's best for uh what's best for your kickstarter or what's best for you know your game uh -hmm. but i think that like i think that self-publishing has its merits because you Mm -hmm. get to own the thing that you're making uh you get to have like control creative control over you know whatever you're doing and at the end of the day like the money like you know if you're making uh X amount of money after like all your costs, then you get to, you know, keep it right. Uh, sure. Or invest it into your own business. Um, whereas if you're, you know, you're going to like a publisher or if you're like, you know, doing co-publishing, like 50% mm-hmm. of it might be gone or like, you know, X amount would be, would be going to the publisher. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you have to do a lot of work. So there's like a lot of yeah. like work involved when it comes to like publishing things. You have to think about manufacturing. You have to think about like, mm-hmm. you know, layout, graphic designers, artists, you know, hiring people, um, manufacturing if you're doing like actual boxes and things um, and like distribution. So it's a lot of work. Um, it's a lot yeah. to think about, but it, it depends, right? It depends on what you want for your game. Sure, Definitely. And like running and marketing a Kickstarter um, or a crowdfunding campaign. I'm going to say crowdfunding since so it's branding. Sorry, I keep doing that. It's oh, all those things good. like yeah. Hoover and vacuum cleaner. It becomes synonymous. Right. Um, so with crowdfunding, uh, if, if there's somebody has an idea for a game and they want to get a crowdfunding campaign started, what tips and advice would you give? What learning could they take from you? Because you've this isn't your first rodeo. <laughs> what tips would you give them? So I have a secret. This is actually Gaiman and Curry's 
second Kickstarter like mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Um, it's not a secret now. I'm telling everyone, but uh, we most of the stuff that I've been doing has been like co-publishing. So, mm-hmm. um, and the co-publishing side of things, like Junction was co-published, um, mm-hmm. and uh, how it worked was I we split up the responsibility, so it was fifty fifty. So mm-hmm. I managed the um, the hiring of the team, the team yeah. management, the project management. Um, you know, writing stuff, uh, making sure that everyone got their stuff in properly, sending it to the editor, doing all of the the legwork for that. Meanwhile, the other publisher mm-hmm. did the manufacturing um, and the distribution or sending it out to our distributor. So sure. um, if you have a partner like that, that's great. Um, yeah. But if you don't have a partner like that, then I think thinking about uh, the timeframes, right? Like making like a plan for the actual a crowdfunding campaign so like mm-hmm. maybe it's it's going to take you like four or five months to get ready uh what do you want to show to your audience like what what part do you think like what would qualify you as like um as ready for the the campaign like what mm-hmm. what do you want your your product to look like before you just like hit submit hit launch mm-hmm. um and this could be like maybe i just want to cover and like you know most of the work done maybe it's like super developed already um but like in terms of art maybe i only have like a few pieces because i can't you know i can't afford yeah. to hire an artist mm-hmm. so i'm gonna have a few pieces done i'll have like you know some of the graphic design done but the rest of it, like, I'm hoping that if I reach my goal, then I'll be able to, like, hire more people on, hire, you know, sure. the person that I've been working with. Yeah. Um, and thinking about that, right? Like, thinking about, like, okay, like, maybe I want to get to a point where it's just, like, everything is ready except for art, except for layout, except for, like, you know, actually sending it to a printer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, doing that legwork up front and making sure that it's, like, you know, it looks good on Kickstarter, making sure that, you know, the the viewer knows what they're expecting when they purchase your thing. Uh, yeah. I think it's really important. And also like having a, a media circuit, like what I'm doing right here, right? Yeah. Like, um, planning out like, you know, who are you going to be talking to with podcasts, live streaming, um, you know, are there going to be articles written about your thing? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, planning that, putting that plan into uh, your entire like you know plan for the crowdfunding campaign, and then also thinking about you know afterwards like what are my, what am I going to do afterwards? How am I going to mm-hmm. distribute the game? How am I going to sell this at conventions? How do I make sure that like the thousand units or two thousand units or three thousand or whatever units amount of units um, that's like sitting in my bathroom or garage or whatever uh, <laughs> you know gets sold? Like how am I going to get rid of these copies? Um, because ultimately you just, you don't really want to have like that many copies of your game, like sitting in your, in your apartment or house. Definitely. Definitely. Especially if you live in New York and something like that, because you know, Mm -hmm. space isn't space, the commodity there. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) this is my room for, I keep spare games. It's not really, but yeah, so that's what you're doing with Damon's Academy. So you're going to order a couple of thousand units and then, so there'll be Mm -hmm. a way for the Kickstarter backers and then there'll be some that will be available for retail afterwards. Exactly, exactly. So uh, we are hoping that if things go well, we'll be able to send it off to a distributor who uh, mm-hmm. will send it out to, um, you know, other places worldwide, right? We don't want to keep it just okay, in, excellent. yeah, we don't want to keep it just in like the US and Canada. Like, yeah. it's, uh, that's just like for us, mainly like when we do distribution, because yeah, we're definitely doing it out of our own, uh, own space. But if we're doing it through like a, a distribute distributor Mm -hmm. then they can like manage all of that they can like warehouse the stuff they can like you know send it out to places um and shipping will be less expensive or less work for us 
yeah, uh, and more work for them. <laughs> yeah, no, international shipping is a whole thing as well because it's not just the, the price of sending it there, but it's also you've got like taxes and things like that to consider. Mm-hmm. And like, I think we've all heard of Kickstarter campaigns where somebody hasn't thought that through and you've received your your pledge, whatever you've got. And they're like, oh, and then you need to pay an extra 20 quid for taxes and stuff. And it's a bit right. like, oh, uh, <laughs> which is always a bit of a thing. So I think I think it's really smart when you're doing a campaign to like definitely focus and you, that's what you, it looks like you've done here it's just being available in north america you've gone this is what we can do we can do this really well let's do this and then we can look at the rest of that kind of stuff later and the great thing about the game is like like for me i'm in the uk you can get the pdf version of it and you can still play the game it's not like yeah. you know so uh so I, so I think that's more than fair enough that makes sense because yeah. shipping also- logistics is wild these days but sorry you're saying yeah oh no 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 um yeah we also have like a digital version of the game like it's all in mm-hmm. google google slides so um if you want to play it digitally with like other friends online then mm-hmm. you could definitely do that um oh, that's awesome. it's, yeah. yeah it's just like click and drag it's it works the same way as real life um it just takes a little bit longer because it's digital yeah no that sounds really good though so that would be great for playing online so if i know mm-hmm. some people because talking about the plague again sorry um because some people aren't quite comfortable going out to conventions and meeting their friends in person for various reasons which is fair enough so playing online has been really great for some people so it's really good to i hadn't realized that you could play online like that that's actually sparked a little light bulb in my brain that i could play with some different people as well as in person. oh yeah google sites is great <laughs> <laughs> um so we're coming up to near the top of the hour we've got a little bit of time left um so if you did have any questions please pop them in the comments and we will absolutely answer them um but i wanted to talk about now games that aren't games necessarily that you've done uh that are your kind of favorite games uh so maybe rpgs larps uh things like that what what are you playing at the moment well, probably nothing because you're running a Kickstarter campaign, but like <laughs> in general. <laughs> um, a lot of the stuff that I'm doing right now is playtesting. So playtesting yes. other games. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think, oh, so I actually did just playtest a friend's game. That was very good, but that was like a party game. Um, I would say that like my favorite games are uh, definitely Avery Alder's Quiet Ear. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely Monster Hearts because, I mean... That's how I got into all of this. Like I blame yeah. her for all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Jason Morningstar's Juggernaut, like that also got me into mm-hmm. LARPing. Um, uh, I don't know if you saw Amending by uh, by Shing, uh, Shing Yin Kor. That's like a, um, like, how do I explain it? It's like a, a sewing <laughs> game. It's like a- like I a, haven't heard of that. That sounds amazing. It's amazing. It's like a solo, it's a solo sewing game. <laughs> Like that's basically what it is. I need to I need to look this up. What was the name of it again? You said uh, it's called Amending, and it's by Shingin Core. Um, oh, I'm gonna look that up because that sounds like that's why I love having these this podcast. To be honest, I just get to talk to cool people about their games, and they're like, "Have you heard of this cool game?" And I'm like, "No, tell me about that." Yeah, <laughs> it's really cool. Um, so yeah, definitely check that out. I will do as well. Um, so, uh, so you talk about Monster Hearts with that. So, um, if people haven't heard of Monster Hearts, because a lot of this podcast is for people that play D anD D and are kind of looking to explore out and and find other systems, could you talk about what Monster Hearts is and why why it's one of your top recommendations? Yeah, sure. So, um, let me start with the theme. So, the theme is that mm-hmm. you are uh, high school students 
uh, in high school uh, yeah, <laughs> who, are, uh, who are monsters and uh, you're trying to hide your monsterness from other people. So um, think of it sort of like a cross between like Riverdale and Buffy. Uh, so it's got that like sort of yeah. tone to it where, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, you're, you've got your like teenage angst happening, yeah. but also like, you know, everything's such a big deal, but also like you are really monsters and there are really like supernatural things happening. Yeah. Um, and so that's, uh, that's basically like, you know, what the game is about. Um, in terms of mechanics, it is a powered by the apocalypse game. So uh, it uses 2D6. Um, and for those of you who have never played like Apocalypse World or any uh, powered by the apocalypse games, uh, it's a very simple system. It uses moves uh, and moves are triggered by uh, by the players when they want to do something. So if you want to do something um, and there's like a conflict happening and, uh, you know, players are just like, oh, I don't know what to, I, I kind of want to like do this thing. The GM can suggest a move. So you would... Nice. Uh, use a move, roll your 2d6. Uh, usually it's like zero to six is like a failure. Seven to nine is like something weird happens. Uh, it's like a sort of success. And then like, um, what is it like? I think it's nine plus or 10 plus is like a, a actual success, like a very good success. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's very simple. It's got like different character sheets that they call playbooks. Um, and it's really easy to just like pick up and go. Like you don't have yeah. to spend a lot of time like creating your characters. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like a lot more, um, I would say like relationship focused than yeah. um than trying to like beat the game or win right it's more about yeah. like it's more about like creating a a, a goofy story or like a a sad mm -hmm. story or like um like it could be tr uh, tragic right like it could be just like mm -hmm. really dramatic and tragic i yeah i think the thing works so well because i love the idea that you're secretly a monster because i think when you know when you're growing up and you're a teenager i think everyone feels a bit like that that because you're just a bit unsure of yourself and you've got things that you want to hide and you don't want to so i love the the teen angst and it's almost like a really beautiful metaphor for like the mm -hmm. monster within type thing so i've seen some people play it and they've really picked on that and like had like a monster that's been almost like you know a metaphor for their internal struggles and issue and stuff that manifested so um so yeah i think that's a really great recommendation for a game so monster hearts that was for everyone that's listening on that one um yeah so any other game recommendations or should we i think we had a quite in-depth one of monster Ooh. hearts there in fairness yeah i mean i also mentioned like jason um morning stars larps um, I know everyone knows Jason Morningstar for Fiasco, but I love his LARPs. Like his LARPs are so good yeah. um, and they're so short, right? So it's just mm -hmm. like one to two hours. Um, Juggernaut specifically, that's just like played with a deck of cards and mm -hmm. um, or a deck of cards that is in the game, not like a random deck of cards, not like poker cards or whatever, but like um, it has like a bunch of different prompts on these cards and you just pick it up and go. It's like very simple to do. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, and uh, are there any of his LARPs, are there LARPs available to play online? Do you know? I think I'm a lot not of sure. Yeah, most of them in person. Yeah. But mm -hmm. if you are interested in games online, I would definitely mm -hmm. check out uh, live action online games. Uh, mm -hmm. The acronym is LAUG, uh, which was coined by Jarrett, Garrett uh, Ridinghouse. And so okay. um, LAUGs are basically games that utilize online platforms or mm -hmm. uh you know the phone 
uh, and make them like be a part of the gameplay, right? So yeah. Alice is Missing is one of them. Yeah. Uh, Alice is Missing by Spencer Stark. That's, uh, you know, a game where you text uh, and you're embodying the character as you're texting. Um, another is ViewScream. So ViewScream, you are uh, using the video chat to uh, pretend that you're on a ship that's like on a spaceship that um, that's, you know, going through some scary stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's like a whole bunch of these that uh, that are yeah. great. And is, is, is that spaceship one? It's in Discord channels. So you can only communicate in specific ways through Discord channels. I think I've heard I, about that one. Yes, yes. It's by Raphael mm-hmm. Chandler, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I think it's up on itch or drive through. Um, sure. I want to say drive through. Let's just say drive through for now. <laughs> just one of those two. Yeah. If you Google it, it'll appear. If you Google it, yeah. it'll appear. Okay, that's awesome. I think those are some great, absolutely great recommendations there. Um, so I think we're coming to the top of the hour. So, Banana, I'm going to say thank you so much for coming on and talking about uh, your game uh, with us. So uh, that's Demos Academy again. So you can back the Kickstarter now. It's got like 60 hours left on it or something like that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so we are in the final stage. If you want this game, back this now. Like I say, you can just get the PDF digital download version if you are elsewhere in the world or if you're in North America. You can get the physical version of the game uh, and the link in the comments there and on the screen right now. Um, if you want to stay in touch, uh, so a good place to follow you is on Twitter uh, at four yes. slash Banana Games. Excellent. So uh, that's up on the screen there. So if you want to keep in touch about hear about more projects uh, and see what happens at Demos Academies, maybe that office LLC setting. Uh, that'll be up on there um i just want to say as well uh so next week we have another excellent guest coming on so next monday uh we have star trek adventures with jim johnson so if uh we were talking about that space larp if that uh seemed like your kind of thing then maybe star trek adventures is your thing as well um so you can get a summary and a schedule of all the shows we have at enliverpg.com is at the top of the screen so enliverpg.com has the full schedule so you can see what's coming up there um and talk about it there uh, but for now what i will do is i'll say thank you very much banana for coming on again and thank, thank you so very much. much for everyone that came to watch and uh, we hope to see you again next week thanks very much bye Thanks everyone. bye